Hello and welcome to this episode of Turing's Triple Helix, where we'll be exploring AI in the fintech sector. I'm very pleased to have with me three guests to chat about this. We have with me Mikhail Paris, the Marketing Director from Fintech Scotland, Charmaine Lowe, the CEO of Actelligent, and Maisara Hamoda, our co-founder and CTO of Predictiva. So welcome to all three of you. Thank you. Welcome. Brilliant. So let's start with some introductions. So maybe start with uh, Mikhail as the, you know, from Fintech Scotland, you can um, stick everything together a little. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and about uh, Fintech Scotland, please? Absolutely. And thank you for, for having me on your podcast today. Um, so I'm Mikhail Paris, I'm Marketing Director at Fintech Scotland. Uh, in terms of my background, I've got over 15 years experience in the tech industry, having worked for companies such as Maximizer, Skyscanner, and uh, I really entered the world of financial services back in 2011 when I joined Standard Life as a head of digital, um, where I was really responsible for setting up a, a fintech-like business within Standard Life, which was a, a great venture. Uh, we had lots of fun, and uh, I think it was quite successful in the end. Um, and in 2017, uh, my then managing director at Standard Life and myself both left Standard Life, and we decided to set up Fintech Scotland um, as, a, as a collaboration between government, universities, and uh, the private sector. And we launched the company officially in 2018. So what's Fintech Scotland? Uh, briefly, it's, uh, I mean, we're soon about to enter our six years of billing, really, which is great. Uh, we'll celebrate our anniversary in January. Uh, we're a limited company, uh, and we are referred to as a cluster management organization, which means that we manage a community of over 200, 200 fintech firms uh, and we work with large strategic partners including the, the largest financial institutions in the UK and also global technology and services providers. Uh, so what, what we try to do is really encourage innovation and research in the, the field of fintech and create collaboration opportunities between the, the fintech firms, the SMEs, the large financial institutions. But and you know that applies to AI as well across many different sectors. We don't see fintech as a as a vertical, really. Fintech cuts across uh, many different sectors. So that's uh, in a nutshell what fintech Scotland does. Brilliant. Thank you very much for giving us a bit more of an overview, Mikhail. And so I'm going to hand over to uh, you, Charmaine, to give us a little bit of a um, overview of Actelligent and what it is that your company does. Sure. Hi, um, I'm Charmaine, and I'm the founder and CEO of Actelligent. Uh, maybe just a little bit of background about myself. Uh, throughout my career, I've worked across different fields in finance, from corporate finance uh, to private equity, long only and long short investing as well. Um, I would say the main reason I founded Actelligent was to do with the fact that I'd realized over the years how much more efficiently I could do investment analysis if I had had the help of big data and AI. And so Back in 2018, I founded Actelligent, which is essentially a fintech platform helping investors act intelligently along every st stage of the investment process. We've been able to develop AI technologies uh, to essentially identify new investment ideas, analyze sentiment signals, time the market, size positions, and risk-managed portfolios as well. Oh, sounds very interesting. Thank you. Thank you for that, Charmaine. And over to you, Maisara, for um, a little introduction about pr Predictiva. Thanks well for having me today. Uh, so my name is Maisara Hamouda. I'm the co-founder and CTO of Predictiva. So Predictiva is an AI fintech company that uses state-of-the-art machine learning algorithms 
to autonomously trade the financial markets. Uh, we try to eliminate all the biases that comes from uh, manual trading and also algo trading. We're currently trading in NASDAQ and in cryptocurrencies markets. Uh, we're also having some other plans to trade uh, some other markets in the near future. Uh, about myself, I have an, uh, a master's degree in AI from the University of Edinburgh and a bachelor's degree in control and instrumentation systems engineering. Uh, I worked for uh, several years with some international companies such as Yukogawa, Saudi Aramco, and Amazon. Uh, I then worked also as a research assistant at the University of Edinburgh. So I'm actually trying to bridge the gap between the uh, research and the practical parts. Perfect. Thanks very much. Now we've got the introductions out of the way, we can get on to some of the some of the questions. So Charmaine and Mysara in particular, Mysara, you are you're both using AI solutions uh, within the fintech sector. So can you both tell me uh, why you chose AI in particular, what kind of AI you are using and what benefits does that give you that other technologies perhaps can't? So maybe let's start with Charmaine again. Sure. Well, um, I have to say, um, as Masaru was just saying, um, we're also trying to dif um, differentiate ourselves by saying that we're not in uh, quant, quant finance uh, because that's very much uh, role driven. And I was I had the idea in mind that AI would be able to provide a lot more, given that we can look into stocks um basically in different regions, in different sectors, in a very multidimensional angle. And I would say one of the most differentiating things about our AI models as well is that we are trying to cater primarily for fundamental portfolio managers. Um, and so we are taking a range of um, data, which don't only include stock prices as input, but also fundamental metrics and textual data from company transcripts, uh, filings, news, et cetera. And because of this, I would say, um, yeah, this the whole breadth and depth as well um, would make AI technology much more suitable than doing other, doing simple um, fundamental analysis or quant, uh, quant finance. Nice. Could you think you could explain a bit more about quant finance and the difference just in a nutshell for our listeners if they don't if they're unfamiliar with it yeah um in short ai obviously gives you um, um because of um, machine learning it, it's essentially sort of like a spider web giving people um allowing allowing the model to find its own weights um and to be able to capture things in a much more multi-dimensional um uh, manner, I would say, whereas quant finance um, is very much um, about role. Um, it, it's very rule based in the in the sense that people discover certain patterns and they would then uh, set mathematical methods to try and come up. So the simplest example would obviously be, um, say, a stock price increases by X percent, then the algo would say go by, and then if it drops by a certain percent, then it would sell um, and that's very very rule based uh, whereas with AI you can get a lot more further a lot further than that. Thanks very much for clearing that up for us Charmaine and over to you Mysara as, as well about the AI solutions so what kind of uh, solutions are you using uh, why did you choose them and the benefits over other technologies? Okay so actually using the AI uh, in the field of finance has several benefits over just using normal technologies like rule based or normal quant finance uh, can you give me some examples? For example, uh, using AI removes the emotional bias, that which is actually the biggest problem for trading 
uh, especially if you are trading personally. Uh, also, uh, you have the problem of scalability, which is a benefit in AI. So you can use the same algorithm to train hundred models for hundreds of stocks or hundreds of assets. And the algorithm can learn uh, a model for each of these by itself. It can also benefit from online learning. So it can actually learn while trading. So you do not need to retrain the model every time. Uh, it can adapt to the new patterns that it can see while trading. That's actually a very big positive uh, like feature of using AI. Uh, also, uh, another benefit is, uh, is that it does not need to, uh, you do not need to set the rules beforehand. You just need to have the data, the right data, and the right way of uh, deciding whether this is good or bad. This makes the AI a much faster way uh, to model the patterns and behaviors than actually needing to learn everything by yourself as a human, that you need so many years uh, to learn these things. Uh, the last thing I can say is that it's, okay, the, the same algorithm can handle different markets and asset types as long as you have the data for that, and also as uh, you need to know what's right, what's right and what's wrong, and how to judge uh, the performance of your model. Thanks very much, Mysara. You you mentioned uh, removing emotional bias. Um, do you think you can go into that a little bit more? Yes. Uh, so uh, when you trade personally, you can see, for example, that uh, for example, a specific stock is going up, and everything is green, and you say, "Yeah, this time to go in." Actually, this is usually the wrong decision to take. This would this should be a bad time to enter, and also when it's going down, you might say, think, "Okay, I need to get out now before it goes down." But that might be the bottom. So the the good thing about AI is that it doesn't have this feeling; it does not get threatened by anything. It only deals with data. So whenever it sees the data, like okay, the volume is decreasing in a specific way, or the money is getting pumped some in some way, it will just take a decision based on that. Nice. Thanks very much. So it's kind of removing removing the human element almost um which is which brings me on to my brings me on to my next question uh i saw on the actelligent website a reference to the human and human plus ai approach it's described as so um charmaine um could you explain that a bit more and do you, specifically do you think it's um important to keep the human in the loop when using artificial intelligence for fintech applications yeah i would maybe like to clarify that a lot of the human when i when i say human um it's not really in i guess what masara was trying to highlight was the emotional bias that it's more the result when it comes to trading um but here the the way we're trying to have that human input is mainly to do with the fact that because we use a lot of fundamental input in our models keeping a human in the loop becomes very important in the sense that an investment professional can then use his or her experience to identify some sector nuances or some cultural differences across different countries when it comes to trading. Um, it's also quite important that a human be present to validate the results of the AI models practically, such that we know everything makes sense and that our AI models are, are not just um, a black box, as many people try to put it. Yes, certainly. And um, on that question, kind of what are some of the potential dangers of not having that human input, that human in the loop? We would then only have the models treating every single stock as more like a, a number, essentially, because once the data are processed, it, everything then becomes the same. So you would not really, by, by, by adding um, 
in essence, this is is ultimately we're we're still dealing with the data, but with the human experience, we would be able to know a little bit more. Take for example, you know that when you when you look at airlines as an industry, that the oil price also becomes important. So you 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 sort of look at that and know what what other data points you should may, maybe add um, instead of just having say. Um, yeah, Ryanair or 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 Boeing, for example, like both are both companies are are maybe along different. Um, uh, they are they are doing different things along the the, the supply chain, um, but they are still related to the aviation industry. And when you have a little bit more human touch to it, then then you know what additional data you can maybe add um, to 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 your to your data set, and and that would then shape up the 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 sector a little bit better and hopefully can then enhance accuracy when you try to predict these um, different types of stocks. Thanks very much, Charmaine. And uh, how about you, Mysara? Um, you know, what do you think um, is important of keeping the human in the loop, um, specifically with AI and fintech applications? Yeah, so actually humans, we have to be in the loop, so we cannot eliminate the uh, humans from the solution. Uh, since AI is not is not a magic magic solution, so you cannot say that uh, I'll just give any data to the AI and the AI will give me something good uh, from the other side. So humans have to give uh, the domain knowledge to the AI, and then they have to mon monitor and see uh, whether this AI model is producing what's expected or not. However, humans should not interfere with the decision of the AI. So they should they should be a part of the designing phase of the AI. But they should not interfere with, with the decisions. There was actually an interesting research published this year, I believe in April. Uh, it was talking about AI-based hedge funds uh, compared to then like human-based hedge funds. So the AI-based, uh, they get like two times more profits than the uh, human-based. However, the important point is when you mix AI and human, like in the decision in the decision-taking process. This is where the worst performance comes. So they have to be separated, but they have also to be available in different areas. So uh, as a human, you might think, okay, maybe entering at this time is a stupid idea. I should not enter now. But the AI might see something that you cannot see. In other cases, uh, maybe the AI does not know about a specific news, for example, a war, for example, an inflation report, if you're not modeling this into it. This is where the human has to be available also to give these uh, decisions to the AI. That's really interesting, the kind of the depth that the AI goes to to see things that, that we don't. I'm a chess player, for example, and sometimes you see a move that an AI makes and you think, what? That's insane. But then they're on a whole other depth level than, than the humans now. So yeah, thank yeah, thank you for that. Really, really interesting, um, that kind of balance, getting the balance of human and machine right. So I'm going to go over to Mikhail for the next question again, um, and we're going to talk a bit about the um, the tenets of the Scottish AI Alliance and Scotland's AI strategy. So the three pillars that uh, we built the strategy on are trustworthy, ethical, and inclusive AI. And I think the, um, the most important, the one I want to hone in on is trust, especially in the fintech sector. So um, Mikhail, what, what do you think about building trust and how important is building trust um, when you're making and creating fintech solutions? I think it's paramount. And if you go back to what fintech is and when it really 
developed as a concept or as a as a movement, as we sometimes position it. It's it's all kicked off after the the 2008 kind of crash, where people understood that the models uh, on which we had built our financial system were outdated, that they were not serving the many but only the few, and that the the whole system had to be reinvented. And that's where so many of those great fintech innovations started to appear, putting the customer back in the, in, in the center of everything, putting the human back in the technology, uh, a bit like what we've just discussed, and developing new solutions that were more inclusive, more accessible to everyone. Uh, and I think ultimately, something that would be more trustworthy in the long term. So trust what was really much what generated the fintech movement for me. And I think it's very important when you deal with tech and people with different understanding as to what tech is, uh, whether you're speaking about crypto, AI, uh, machine learning, it's very important to take people on a journey. Now, obviously, I will never expect everyone to understand what um, an API is or open finance or AI or machine learning. However, what's very important is the trust in um Obviously, how you, you deal with customers and treat customers. That's why the, the regulators are doing a, a great job, especially in the UK, and work very closely with them at Fintech Scotland to make sure that that trust element is still um, at the center of everything that the Fintechs do in Scotland. And it is very much at the center of everything they do. And we've got some two great examples here on the panel today with my Sarah and Charmaine. Um, I think the regulation is one thing. The second thing is we need to focus on the human needs um, because it's all good to develop new technologies. And today we're speaking about AI, but at the end of the day, it's only interesting if it's got a positive outcome, which we, which will ultimately build the trust. Um, take, um, you know, AI that can be quite scary. Uh, if you take AI and open banking, so giving all your financial data to, to a robot, that can be quite scary for lots of people. Uh, now, if the question you ask someone is, do you want my robot to look at your financial data? The answer may be no. If the question is, do you want me to do your tax return in 20 seconds and you never have to care about that ever again, then that becomes interesting because the proposition is something that will enhance my life as a customer. Uh, and then it's down to, to, to me as a company to ensure that that trust is kept. So I would say trust is, you know, front and center of everything in fintech, it's it's it, you can't have fintech without trust, because you're speaking about new institutions that people didn't know before, and if you want to compete with some of the largest financial institutions who have been here for 250 years or 300 years, then you really need to build that trust very quickly. Thank you, Mikhail. That's strong, you know, strong sentiment that trust is front and center of all of you know, and you wouldn't have fintech without trust. Um, Charmaine, so same same question over to you on that one um, about trust and what's the importance of trust for your company when building solutions? I think I totally agree with uh, Mikhail there. Um, it's front and center, but I'll maybe approach it from a slightly different angle. I guess to me, um, a lot of it, it's, uh, it's getting your investors to, and by investors, I mean people willing to give you money to manage, uh, to actually trust that AI. Because... They've been so used to the very traditional way of fund management, and they a lot of times I, I feel like they they do admire the the aspects um, of AI, and they do understand that a 
approaching things from in a, in a, in a multidimensional manner would potentially enhance returns. Um, but ultimately, AI is not AI in fund management is something pretty new um, and is considered pretty innovative. Um, and I think it would still take a while for 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 people uh, in the fund of fund industry, um, in endowment funds, uh, sovereign funds, and, and, and sovereign wealth funds, and so on, to 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 actually gain that trust. Thank you very much, Shemaine. And over to you, Mysara, same sentiment, trust and, and the importance in um, in your your company. Yeah, sure. Uh, actually, because of the hype around fintech and AI right now, it's really important to build trust uh, in the fintech solutions, especially the AI solutions. Uh, in our company, for example, we trade our own personal and company money first for a couple of months before telling customers, uh, okay, can you please put your money with us? This shows the customers that we have a trust in what we build and we are willing to put our own money and our, the company's money into that. Uh, also, another important thing is, so why are you actually using AI? Because you want to avoid the problems that the like, uh, personal trades, the traders and algo traders have. So if you can show the customers how your, how your model deals with edge cases, uh, this will show them that it actually has a, there is actually a, a benefit of using your solution. Thank you very much, Mysara. That's a good way of showing confidence in your uh, in your solutions to put your, you know, literally putting your money where your mouth is. Um, I like that. Um, so we're coming to coming towards the end of um, end of our podcast today. So I'm going to um, go back to Mikhail um, for the last question. And it is about Scotland. So what makes Scotland a good place for fintech and also AI? I guess for, for me, there are many ways to answer your question. As you can probably tell by my accent, I'm not from, from Scotland uh, or the UK. Uh, I'm French. I've been here for 17 years. So I can answer that as, a, as, a, as a, an individual and why I've chosen the UK to, 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 to come. I think it's because of my love for tech. And I think I see the UK as being uh, a leader uh, in the world in terms of the, the tech development. Now, bringing it back to, to FinTech more specifically, and obviously I'm biased uh, working for FinTech Scotland, but I would say um, there's not that many places outside Scotland that would be a better place for people to set up their, their company, especially around AI. Now, you know, if you look at FinTechs, uh, it's a sector that's thriving in Scotland. We went from 25 companies to 205 in the space of six years. So there's a, a vibrant community here of uh, very creative individual, great entrepreneurs, and we are a very tech community. So it's a, it's a great place to, to connect um, because of our size. People are um, reachable. You, you can speak to people, you can connect with them uh, more easily. And then looking at AI, I think, you know, I wouldn't know where to start to tell you how great a place it is to do AI. Uh, going from, uh, well, some of the excellent businesses that we already have, like my and Charmin's businesses, but also the, at, at the more um, country level, there's a real desire to turn Scotland into the data capital of Europe. Uh, and the government is really investing heavily, um, a lot of money and, and, and resources to make that happen. Um, and then, you know, I need to mention universities. Uh, and my Sarah mentioned the University of Edinburgh, we've got some some of the top universities in the world here uh, in Scotland and uh, the University of Edinburgh when it comes to AI is seen by most scholars uh, as the leading university, not just in Europe, but around the world. Uh, I've even heard, and I'm not sure if that's entirely true, but I will 
choose to believe it, that AI was in fact pretty much invented in Edinburgh. So for, for me, I have no doubt that if you're a, an AI business, especially in fintech, the place to be is definitely here. Thank you, Mikael. I like that sentiment as well, that um, you know, there's not much better place to be than in Scotland for to starting up in the fintech sector and in the AI sector. Yeah. Um, so over to Charmaine on that question, kind of, um, I believe you were on the AI Accelerator program with the University of Edinburgh. Um, why did you choose Scotland in particular? Yeah, well, I guess um, for me, uh, Edinburgh specifically um, within Scotland uh, has a huge capital base and it's always been one of the largest fund management um, fund hubs, I would say. Um, at the beginning, when I chose Scotland, I, I felt like this was very much that this this very much led to my decision um, because of the huge capital base as well as the availability of a very uh, skilled workforce. Um, like you said, uh, University of Edinburgh as well, uh, one of the best universities in in NLP um, and machine learning. Um, we we are a partner. We we're collaborating with them um, on a number of projects, um, and I, I guess that naturally made Edinburgh the the, the choice for our UK base. Thanks very much, Charmaine. And finally, over to my Sarah. Good. So uh, there are actually multiple multiple uh, reasons why would you choose uh, Scotland. So for us, for example, the first thing is the universities. And this is a twofold uh, benefit because uh, the first thing is the research co collaboration with the, the universities. We have multiple collaborations and masters and PhD levels with multiple colleges and the University of Edinburgh and the University of Glasgow and many others. Also, the excellent graduates that you get from these universities makes it easy for you when you try to recruit some developers or some researchers uh, from Edinburgh or from Scotland in general. Also, uh, Edinburgh is known to be a, a fintech hub with many companies uh, from different sizes and goals, which makes it easy for all the fintech community uh, to collaborate in multiple projects. Uh, the last thing is that uh, the historic places and the nice people in the in the country, it makes it easier for you to uh, to do some nice things. Perfect. Thank you, Maisara. So we're getting about to the end. We really are this time. Uh, and I just want to finish with um, one question to Mikhail. Uh, what's next for fintech in Scotland? And what do you see as the next you know, big things? And what should people look out for in the fintech Scotland um, landscape? Well, that's actually a, a very easy question to answer. Um, you might have seen that last March we published our research innovation roadmap. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you can go on our website, fintechscotland.com slash roadmap. And in that paper that took a year to create um, with industry, with academia, with fintechs and, and fintech experts, we, we really highlighted four key pillars for our national strategy for fintech. And those are financial regulation and how we help people um, and companies deal with regulation better and, and save on time and effort and money. There is climate, which won't come as a surprise, being such a, a prevalent topic in the society today and how fintech can help. Um, and we believe that fintech has got a very important role to play. The financial sector has a very important role to play in that. Payments, obviously, and uh, there's so many so many innovations happening in the payment space, be it embedded payments, embedded finance, or um, crypto, obviously. 
um, despite what's happening in the market today, it's still something we we think is is something to look at for the future. And finally, we're looking at open finance, which is um, very interesting as a topic. We we just scratching the surface now with open banking, but in the future, if we look at open data and how that data and AI, to bring it back to the subject we spoke about today, um, can bring better outcomes for people bring them more intelligence and, and bring them the, cap- the capabilities really to, to manage their money better, manage their future, the savings and their, their whole life better, not just financial, but there's the obviously links between health and wealth. As we know, uh, that's been proven before. So we want to recreate a better society by enabling data innovation. Um, and one last thing I'll add in that next year will also ensure that uh, FinTech innovation um, it's done across all sectors. So we, we're speaking, for example, right now with with the space sector to see uh, what type of data we could get from Earth observation to to help with some innovations around insurance, for example, to prevent floods uh, or to look at um, the impact of um, supply chain on um, on people around the world, um, mining and all the rest. So lots of very interesting things to come. Lots of uh, Lots of innovation again to, to look forward to. I think we're just at the start of the fintech journey, and I'm really, really excited about what's coming. Thanks very much, Mikhail. That's, um, I'll put a link to that roadmap in the description if any of our listeners listeners want to have a list, uh, have a read of it. Uh, but the four key pillars, financial regulation, climate, payment space, and open finance. It's um, a lot to be working on. And that brings us to the end of our um our podcast today so thanks very much again for joining me it's been a pleasure to hear about your solutions and the future of fintech in scotland thanks thanks thank you